Hi, this is Brian Landau, and you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Whitney Hoffman Bennett. Whitney is the Vice President of Talent and Culture at CallRail. In this episode, we talk about maintaining and building culture when there's a change in leadership and lessons learned over the last year and a half around DEI and employee well-being. In just a few moments, you'll hear Whitney talk about internal content strategies that have been successful and some that didn't go exactly as planned. I really appreciate Whitney's candor and vulnerability when describing her experiences. CallRail has invested in mental health resources and training for its employees. Supporting its employees is part of the culture at CallRail. You'll hear Whitney mention that they're considering podcasting as a communications format, and podcasting fits squarely within the cultural framework that CallRail has worked hard to build. Podcasting is the most generous content format. What do I mean by that? It's generous for the content creator. It's authentic, it's empathic, but there's also no visual bias. There's no pressure to have a clean room, perfect lighting, or a great outfit. The creation and publishing process is also on demand. You don't have to memorize scripts. You can look at your notes, take a sip of water. You can do a couple of takes. There aren't gotcha moments. Audio production is easy and cheap. You publish when you're happy with the content. But it's also generous for the listener. A day in a life now is just email after email. We're zoomed out. My kitchen table is my office and my office is my kitchen table. Podcasts allow for passive content consumption. Go for a walk. Listen while you drive to the supermarket or pick up your kids at school. All of this is a form of generosity. The questions for many companies is where does this content live with security and privacy? How do I understand engagement? Venly is an audio platform for business, and we believe that your audio content should live within the flow of your work, whether you use Slack, SharePoint, Notion, or some other channel for internal employee communications. Venly enables you to share your company audio content there with security and privacy, all with mobile responsive players, customizable call to action buttons, and enterprise grade analytics. Are you interested in how internal company podcasts can play a role in how your business communicates and builds culture? Email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the inspiring Whitney Hoffman Bennett. Hi, Whitney. Hi, Brian. Whitney Hoffman Bennett is Vice President of Talent and Culture at CallRail, a comprehensive business communications and analytics platform. With a decade of experience in human resources and a specialty in rapidly growing SaaS startups, Whitney expertly balances the needs of employees with the needs of the business. She is passionate about fostering a culture where people are excited about the work that they do and the team that they are working with. Whitney, thank you again for being with me. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Ryan. I'm excited. So CallRail is a comprehensive business communications and analytics platform. So I'll ask you, what does CallRail actually do? So CallRail helps businesses generate revenue by giving them actionable insights to improve their customer experience and marketing performance. We really have a focus on small businesses and the agencies that serve them and helping them grow. Companies all over the world are navigating virtual and hybrid work models. When we connected a couple of weeks before this, you mentioned that the company has been really deliberate in calling it return to office and not return to work. And I think this is a really important nuance and it's not just a question of semantics. As someone who works to define and implement culture strategies, how has language choice like this impacted employee engagement? 
Are there other examples that you can point to where language framing around the pandemic or social justice, et cetera, informs the culture? Yes. So return to work versus return to office is a super important one because we have been called to do much more in 2020 and 2021 than we had before and deal with much more at home than we had before. So to say return to work implies that we're not already working extremely hard professionally and personally just to survive 2020 and 2021. Returning to the office is much more important language because that's really all it is. We're going to change where you work. In 2020, like most businesses, we really leaned in to DEI and the social injustices that were happening around us along with the global pandemic. And I think something I learned early on and got called out fairly on was don't lump the two together. They're two separate issues. Some people are suffering more than others for very specific reasons. And no one wins in the misery Olympics, but it's really important to keep those separate because you have to attack them separately. Can you maybe point to a specific example of how two very important issues were approached in discrete ways? Yes. So I'll start with the pandemic. We went home in March of 2020, like almost every other company, and really put an emphasis on mental health and well-being for our company. We had a lot of moments where we focused on mindfulness. We gave everyone the Calm app and focused on that a lot. We gave everyone $500 so they could set up their office how they wanted it to. We really leaned into virtual events, which I think people have now grown tired of, but people were really excited about them in 2020 because they were still new. We also shifted to summer Fridays so people could really take that time to turn it off. And when the summer was over, we shifted to focus Fridays, which means company-wide, there are no meetings after noon on Fridays. So that was kind of how we focused on the pandemic. For the DE&I, uh, we enrolled everyone in personalized DE&I coaching to ensure DE&I is at the heart of everything we do. I think it's really important not to just put a black square on Instagram and call it a day. Uh, we have these trainings from management down to the individual contributor level. We also really leaned into our employee resource groups. So in 2020, we had two, Black and Brown and the Women's Circle, and they really helped us focus on the very specific issues that were affecting those communities. You have a new CEO. Mm-hmm. Mazel tov. How do you think about working with new executives around culture? Because you had all of these new processes in place in 2020, 2021. A lot of progress, it sounds like, was made internally. Now mm-hmm. you have a new you have new leadership. So what stays from prior leadership and what evolves under a new CEO? Is there a process that you might go through in establishing call rails, you know, let's call it 2.0 culture? Sure. I, I think it's very interesting going from a founder-led company, which is what we were, to a brand new CEO. When you have a founder-led company, the person that the CEO is and their thoughts and beliefs are intrinsically linked with who the company is. So I think that makes for a very unique transition. Something that's great about our transition is our CEO or former CEO is still staying on for a year and kind of an advisor capacity. He's still going to be on the board. So it wasn't this dramatic 
cutoff, there's a nice transition period. We have always led the company with full transparency and an open door policy for employees. We will continue that. I think something that was really intentional with the hiring process of the new CEO is he was told, you're not coming in to fix anything. You're coming in to help make it bigger and better and grow us. But we have a really good team. We have really excellent employees and we want to keep things kind of how they are culturally, just enhance them where we can. And Mark has already proven to be super capable in doing that. He has hosted company-wide Q&As. He's been super transparent with all his information. And yesterday during the company meeting, we did um, his three observations within 45 days. And he kind of just told everyone at CallRail what he was thinking and where he saw CallRail going. And it was really well received. This is just an, an observation. But I think that HR is frequently looked at internally as the department that provides stability. For example, Mm -hmm. right, sales and marketing has some leash to experiment, but HR needs a plan. So we're all navigating this new normal in real time. You've spoken about some of the work that you've done over the last year and a half. As an executive voice, are there best practices that you've developed to help provide structure and assurances to colleagues despite this constantly evolving landscape? I'm proud of this question. I like this one. (laughs) This is the best question I have planned. You're doing a really good job. I'm really proud of you. So yes, while I think it's true that HR has to have structure, HR has to have a plan. If I may go off book a bit before I answer your question. If 2020 and 2021 has shown us anything, it's that the landscape of HR and the work we're asking HR to do has completely changed. It used to be HR had a structure, had a plan, kept the wheels on the bus, kept the company compliant. We still do all of that, but now we're asking to solve and deal with issues that have never been issues that companies have dealt with before. So I think it's totally fine to give HR grace and you don't have to have a plan. If you a little bit have to build the ship while you're driving it, it's okay because no one expected 2020. No one expected to get through 2020 and then 2021 still be like 2020. So I think it's true, but I also think it's changing. As far as a plan to help kind of new CEO transition in and how to keep the company happy and excited and not worried, you have to be super intentional with that. Immediately, we had the incoming CEO meet with all leaders and then do roundtables with people from every department, from individual contributor to managers. This was their meeting. They got to ask questions. They got to get answers. They felt that belonging kind of right away because it felt like they were involved in the process. And from a company standpoint, we're still doing everything we were doing before. We're still doing the DE&I training. We're still encouraging people to turn it off. We're still having company meetings and virtual events. None of that has changed. There's just a new person contributing their ideas and their visions to that. But I think since we were so intentional with hiring a new CEO and with what we wanted in that CEO, there has been a very little disruption from the business. He has just come in and enhanced what we're already doing. These executive roundtables and individual contributor roundtables, 
really interesting live, in-person, synchronous, but still small group. Have you tested anything that has been particularly successful beyond that example? And can you maybe point to an experiment that hasn't yielded the type of return that you're hoping for? So I think as far as something else that has been successful that I honestly pushed back a little on because I didn't think it was a good idea and then it worked out. So HR is fallible too. We told everyone on the same day that we were getting a new CEO. That afternoon, we said, hey, here he is. He's going to do a fireside chat with Whitney. Let's ask him some questions. He's going to give us some answers. I very much was like, that's too much. People need to grieve. People need a minute. We cannot throw this new guy at them. They're not going to be ready for it. I think it worked out the best way it could because for lack of a better word, it was like a ripping off the bandaid. It was just, we've done this thing. Here it is. Also, he's not going to be here for a month. So let's all go back to work now. So that is something that I think works out really well that I didn't think would have. So I want to go back kind of to what I said about keeping DE&I and the pandemic separate. We could sense that people were feeling overwhelmed. People were feeling burnt out. And so I published something. We communicate a lot via a blog at CallRail. And I published something called um, like the reason for turning it off, which is one of our culture statements. And within that listed out all the different groups of people that were kind of suffering through this pandemic. So people with small children at home, people that were isolating alone, people that were stuck at home with families that they didn't get along with. And then I went on to say, you know, our black colleagues are dealing with something in addition to this pandemic that most of us have never had to deal with. That was a mistake. I needed to acknowledge their suffering, but also needed to more specifically call it out and keep it separate because they weren't the same. That created a lot of comments on the blog, which I appreciated because we're a transparent organization, people telling me where I failed, but then I was also given the grace to correct it and move forward. And I think that's also something about all of this DE&I work and HR in 2020 and 2021 you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and like leaning in even harder and correcting it and owning it, but then moving forward and not living in it. I'll get you out on this question. Blog is a great example. Fireside chats. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about a little bit. Yep. What are the content formats and channels that are working for you today as you think about internal communications and employee engagement? We've also leaned in really heavy to video. This has been great for us. We actually had an employee that was in support transitioned out because he was doing graphic design and video on the side. And now we pay him as a contractor to do all of our video work. So really great story and also has worked really, really well for us. Even if people have Zoom fatigue, they really enjoy watching the videos of their colleagues. Something we're also looking into is maybe more podcasting or maybe things like that, that people can listen to while they're out taking a walk. So they don't have to read an email. They don't have to watch something. I think we all know that people's attention spans are very short. And so trying to figure out a way to make things digestible, but also so they can get the information. You should do podcasts. I, you know, there are some great companies out there that we've looked into. There's one great company. 
Whitney Hoffman Bennett is the VP of Talent and Culture at CallRail. This was a true pleasure. Thank you so much for being with me today and for imparting all of your wisdom. Thank you. It was great.